I think we've got this whole thing down. I think so. I think so. I hope so. We're well practiced. Yeah. It's been... Yeah, I was looking at the folder the other day, and it's been... It's been a long time. What do you mean? I, we've been doing this for quite a while. No, it's our first episode. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I guess it, it depends on how you look at this. For all intents and purposes, this uh, for the general public, this is a brand new radio show that the, um, that the listeners get to uh, enjoy. Well, let's, how about we give some background? Sure. Do you have a, like a prepared statement or anything? No, not at all. You're the one who does the work. I just show up for it. Okay. So this is, uh, this is technically correct. I'm, I'm Ryan. You're Carlos, I believe. Is that, that's correct, right? <laughs> that's what it says on the name tag. Okay. Um, yeah, this is the, you know, we've, we put out some of these uh, a while ago, uh, kind of the, uh, we'll call that like the alpha period. And then we went sort of into this, I think you like to refer to it as like the kind of the dark beta period. It was a private beta. Private beta. Yes. Yeah, dark dark kind of has like a negative connotation to it. Yeah. Sounds like a Katy Perry song. <laughs> Seriously, it's the worst song of the past. Yeah, we should we should years. we should get back to that. Um so yeah, so we've been doing these offline for a while now, but a year and a half, we'll say. And I think we we've got it in a pretty good place now where we're we're ready for the the public to, as you would say, uh, consume our content. All right, let's jump into this. Okay. What do you got? Where do you want to start? I, I, I know where I want to start. Uh, it's, sure. not a, it's not a news topic. Because I know you, you know, we, we've kind of discovered that a kind of bullet-by-bullet bullet rundown of the news tends to not be particularly interesting and not hold up particularly well. So if somebody were to try to listen to this, you know, today is July 23rd. If somebody were to try to listen to this two weeks from now... Sometimes if you just simply talk about the news, it tends to lose some of its value. Okay. Well, you're the boss. You start wherever you'd like. I, I would like to hear about your new camera. I've been anxiously awaiting to hear about this. Okay. Well, let's, let's save that. We've we got to get <sighs> ease into this. Ah, oh, it's, a, it's a tease. It is. Man. All right. Actually, I do have a couple, like, a couple things that have been bouncing around my head that I've been waiting to talk about. Okay. So actually, this is more of a generic question. So you you're a gamer person, right? <laughs> yeah, yes, that's that's what they call me. So you you understand kind of the gaming world, like and all this stuff. So I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty dialed in, you would say. So I've got an Xbox 360 that I haven't powered on in about two years. <laughs> uh huh. So with the Xbox One out, is there any reason to keep it? Like in the sense that mm. there's probably not going to be any new games for it that are particularly good. What is your recommendation for this? If I don't really have any intention of getting the Xbox One until it becomes like $250. You know, I, I guess I would have said yes a couple of years ago. Um, and the reason I would have said that would be because of all the kind of non-gaming features. So things like, you know, Netflix, HBO Go, Amazon Instant Video, kind of all of the video services. But now with you know particularly with apple tv that that's the way to go um so yeah I, I can't really can't really think of a compelling reason for you to keep it okay that's what i was thinking but I, you're also i mean it's not like you're gonna break the bank by selling it on ebay or anything yeah it just it just sits there and you know it just kind of looks sad i don't know 
Can I can actually, um, you know, while we're on the topic of gaming, you you frequently don't let me even get on the topic. So while we're kind of here, I'd, no, I'd no, like to sh- share something. No, it's not that I don't want you to do it. It's just I have nothing to contribute. So you're just going to be talking to yourself. So, well, actually, you might you might actually enjoy this. Um, although, I mean, you live in your big fancy apartment, you know, uh, whereas, you know, me, I live in more more modest means. So I have to be a little bit more aware um, of my surroundings. Did you buy a PlayStation Vita? No, no. So, um, so I, I, with my PlayStation four, um, there's a feature which I've known about ever since I got it, but just have never really gotten around to trying. And this is a, a feature where the controller, which is wireless actually just has a regular old three and a half millimeter headphone jack on the bottom of it. Okay. And with a very simple, um, menu option, you can actually stream all audio from the PlayStation four to the headphones you have plugged into the controller um, and it, it's system-wide audio so games video streaming video any anything any audio that would normally come out of your uh, you know tv speakers or your surround sound system however you normally have the playstation hooked up will come out of the headphone uh, jack which is for me super convenient because i live in a you know pretty small studio apartment it's an older building with really thin walls kind of have a sensitive neighbor downstairs um, so it's, it's kind of difficult where I, when I want to watch like a movie or play games later in the evening, I've actually like with video gotten to the point where I just watched stuff on my iPad a lot, uh, which is, you know, it's okay, but it's kind of silly. You. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a nice guy, but it's, you know, it's kind of, Wait, hold, oh, sorry, have you gotten noise complaints before or is it just yeah. a noted fact that that person is sensitive to it? Not so much complaints, but he's, you know, come upstairs a couple of times and been like, Hey. And okay. it's, it's, it's been instances where I did not feel the volume was very high. Okay. You, you did not know what he wanted you to turn down for? Is, yeah. is that a song? Uh, yeah, it is. Okay, that was a pretty good... Look at you. That was a good Look reference. Look at you. It was okay. Anyway, continue. Um, so, I, I finally got around to, to trying this thing out, and it's awesome. The audio quality is fantastic. It's, like I said, incredibly easy to set up, and it works on anything. Um, and what's great, the kind of the reason I ended up trying it yesterday is I, I found this, um, this new show. I think I, I mentioned this to you a little while ago, uh, Falling Skies. Mm-hmm. It's this, this TNT show. It's been on for, I think it's in its fourth season now. Um, it's really, really good, but we, we can come back to that. But anyway, it, it's sort of like a sci-fi kind of show. So there are action sequences. So it, it is one of those types of shows where if I'm watching it later in the evening, like if I, you know, if I just have Sports Center or something on, I don't worry about it. But if I'm watching, the volume's a, a little more, inconsistent, like an action movie, a little bit. Totally, yeah. yeah. So I, I tried this this headphone thing last night, and it, it's awesome. It's so great, by far and away. Of the, I have you know all three new consoles, three three new consoles. Um, by far and away, my favorite feature. Hmm. And uh, this can't be used with regular television, though. Because no, the, does, uh, it doesn't have like a pass through like the Xbox One does. That's right. Gotcha. And there's nothing like this on the Xbox One. Yeah, you know, I think there is, but it requires. So, I mean, of course, there. Actually, I shouldn't say of course because you would actually expect this from Sony, not Microsoft. But there on the uh, Xbox One controller, there's a proprietary connector. Ooh, we're gonna talk about that. Well, and sort of. you have to. I actually don't really know exactly how it works. I think you have to plug in some type of adapter to the proprietary connection, 
And then from there, I think you have access to a regular headphone jack. But even then, I think it might be like only certain things that work. I, I don't know. It's not nearly as convenient as it is on the PlayStation. I don't have my TV hooked up to the Xbox One anyway, though, so um, that wouldn't matter. Hmm, that's an interesting observation. <clears throat> and on a side note, I, I, so I'm watching this Falling Sky show through Amazon Instant Video, which is the first time I've actually taken advantage of the whole free streaming thing on Amazon Prime, which is super cool. Um, and the quality on the PlayStation 4 is fantastic. So it supports um, 1080p which I don't think every platform that Amazon Instant Video is on supports, similar to kind of how Netflix is a little uneven with um, resolutions that it supports across different platforms. Like, I think even, like, on the Xbox One, I don't think Netflix supports 1080p. Um, but, man, it, like, it looks phenomenal. Looks like a Blu-ray. Which I've never... Like, I've had streaming services look good before, but I've never really had them come close to blu-ray quality but i really think that amazon instant video on the playstation 4 is pretty darn close hmm. and is it easy to navigate on the playstation because i found that on the website and on the ios app it's not very easy to find content well yeah i i agree with that um but it does have a feature where you can add movies or tv shows to i think what they call your watch list Mm-hmm. And so once you've done that, like when you've put an entire TV series in your watch list, then it's a button click away once you're in the app. Uh, but you're right. Kind of the initial discovery is not not as intuitive as something like a Netflix or like the iTunes store. Gotcha. Hmm. But yeah, pretty, pretty cool little, pretty cool little setup. Yeah. Th- thank mm. you for thank you for allowing me to uh, to talk about gaming consoles that's on our first episode here that's that's very gracious well no that was actually much much more of a general entertainment topic but all right so before we get into the camera stuff so uh you listen to the whole soundcloud uh comcast thing uh so let's do this uh, okay so i it's it's pretty interesting um you listen to I, so no but hmm. um i follow ryan on twitter and it it was pretty interesting because he his original tweet he kind of just gave a very short summary of what had happened and then a minute or two later he sent out another tweet kind of asking i think almost half jokingly like should i post this like on the internet mhm and i guess he got a bunch of responses back saying yeah do it and so he did um and it it's it's amazing it it kind of just it, it took off. I mean, it's been it's been on everything from Ars Technica to I think what it was the New Yorker or the Atlantic. One of the one of the magazines picked it up. In the comic, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it it's it's weird because I because I you, you know my 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 um, uh, diminishing opinion of him. So I was really really wishing for it to be his fault, like in some way, but it wasn't. Like I strongly still recommend that you listen to the whole entire thing. Because it, it's just, ah, uh, it's excruciating and it's amazing at the same time. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't, it's like when I, you know. It's, when, up, it's up to 5.3 million listens. Like, seriously, like, you, you like, need to go listen to it. Like, remember when The Office was good, the TV show? Mm-hmm. And, like, some of the, like, kind of the best slash worst moments were when, you know, Michael Scott was just being, just making you really uncomfortable. Like, I don't, I don't like situations like that. Well, no, it's kind of like if Dwight was trying to, like, uh, like save you from canceling, uh like a paper contract. It's it's that bad. 
Yeah, see, I don't, ugh, yeah. It's really, really, really worth listening to. Ugh. Anyway, so, well, this this is no fun if you haven't listened to it. Anyway, well, no, I mean, you you can you can g- give me a give me a blow by blow. Well, no, it's it's just that it's it's just a Comcast rep acting like an abusive ex boyfriend, just saying like why why are you leaving us or or who, what's the what's the other guy got that I don't and stuff. It's it's all that kind of stuff, and it's just amazing. And he's just ext- extremely cordial and civil throughout the entire thing, and it's just it's just amazing. I think you need to listen to it. So I were were you previously aware that this was what Comcast does? Well, every company does that to an extent, but most people, you know, treat people with respect and dignity, and you just kind of let go after like the first, uh, like why why are you leaving? I mean, more about the um, apparent sort of compensation structure. Oh, of course, of course, of course. Why wouldn't See, a company like Comcast do this? I so I guess the the thing that I. My my immediate reaction when this kind of first blew up was, why did the rep care so much? Because I, I act to be honest, I was I guess totally naive, and the thought of being directly compensated at the rep level for retaining customers didn't even cross my mind. Well, I think you, and you're using the wrong word. Is that it's not compensated? It's it's like disincentivized. Like it's you lose money by anybody, like by somebody exercising their free will, you lose money. So they're well, not, okay. I yeah. mean, it's, 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 well, it's not exactly the same thing, but it's of the similar, of a similar motivation. Because like, just because you happen to get somebody like, a, like in a phone queue that wants that like, just, is, just wants to cancel, you can lose like a significant amount of your pay, which, which is just, it's, it's a silly way to, to run a business. It is, you know, I, it's very like customer I, hostile. It is like I worked in, I worked in a commission based job for a little while and, you you certainly did get hit for cancellations, but you only got hit for cancellations for product and services that you originally sold. Like if some random person comes into the store and they're like, hey, I want to cancel my service, just because you're the unlucky one who happened to be standing there when they walked in the store, their cancellation didn't affect you directly. No, I mean, so, you're a representative of the business. You try to understand their concerns and you try to save their business. But if they would like to leave, that's perfectly within their right. Right. So that just seems like a, you know, a very, very odd way to kind of run, run a, what do they call this, retention center or something? Yeah. I mean, it's it's not an odd way to run it. It's a bad way to run it, but it's a a way that kind of makes sense. But yeah, it's misguided. But anyway, so there are a couple of things. The only reason why I want to talk about this is there are a couple of tweets that make this uh, kind of amusing. So the one that I just sent you was a reply from... um, Apparently, like, you know how Comcast and, like, big companies will employ people who just scan Twitter all day for, um, like, at replies and stuff? Uh, yes. So there's a guy that said, that tweets at <laughs> Comcast Ryan Mike. Says, I'm sorry, are you having an issue with your Comcast services? And this is a couple days after that whole thing blew up and it was on, like, absolutely every major thing. And I just think that's, that's very, very amusing. <laughs> He's a uh, Phillies fan, apparently. Well, it, uh, Comcast is based out of Philadelphia. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And then the other one, which is just really, which is what, which kind of turned me against Ryan through like the whole uh, thing is, um, let me send this over to you. So he's avoiding all media, but he decides that he would testify to Congress if they asked him, which is just kind of the, the, the silliest, most self-important thing you could possibly say. Hmm. But anyway, that's, that's all I really had for that topic. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that that really that really escalated. It did. It's funny how I that's that's a very that's a very interesting thing to me. Like how I, I hate that word viral. Like I'm going I'm to try to avoid using that word, but you know what I mean. Like it's just it it's interesting how certain stories really just kind of blow up, whereas other stories fizzle out sometimes in ways where the story that blows up you think would just be a totally minor thing like this ryan thing i didn't give two thoughts about it when i first saw it on twitter and then some other stories you think are going to be this like huge big deal and they just after a couple of days go away exactly that's kind of it's a weird it's a weird thing yeah all right well what do you have I mean, I've got, I've got a lot of I got a lot of different topics. Some big things have happened the last few weeks that I think are, as we said at the top of the show, not so much like little bite-sized news stories that are going to become irrelevant two weeks from now, but more, uh, we'll say, uh, general topics. So I, I can give you a couple options. I know you like to I know you like uh, to make choices. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so the the two big ones I have are the whole Apple IBM thing. Mm, snooze and the microsoft job cuts yeah snooze <laughs> well let's okay fine let's let's uh tough tough man to please well no the the microsoft one is extremely simple i mean one like the new ceo needs to kind of well he, he's handling a lot of different things he's handling a disorganized company that has a lot of different departments with overlapping employees and they also completed the acquisition of the most important handset maker for their mobile device operating system and they've already decided that they're going to abandon the <clears throat> anything that's not like a Windows phone. So they no longer need anybody making Symbian phones or basic phones or whatever else they need. So 12,000 of those 18,000 job cuts are coming from Nokia. So that one, I don't, I don't see where any outrage or any um, issue would be from. And then again, Microsoft just needs to kind of clean up redundant positions within their company and a new CEO kind of trying to dismantle like a decade old regime of Balmer, like has to do that. So I'm not, I'm not outraged or concerned over any of that. I'm not sure if you feel differently. No, I, I don't, I don't think I feel differently. I think uh, this is a story. This is one of those things where there's a narrative fair or not about Microsoft and how they are in a kind of precipitous decline but they're not. And, and, but well, again, like that's why I kind of preface it by saying fair or not. That that's, well, but the numbers don't support that. So that's cor- that's correct. But I think the general perception is that they have become significantly less relevant and are on a downward path. Which, again, to your point, the numbers do not support. But I think that's a a general feeling that a lot of people have, and so this this feeds into that narrative. It does to an extent. Yeah, I actually I thought what was more interesting. Um, so Microsoft released earnings earlier this week, and you know this is this is not a show to discuss earnings, as you know. So we will avoid that. But it, kind of the little nugget that Nadella had was, uh, let's see what the quote here is: "We will streamline the next version of Windows from three operating systems into a single oh, converged God. operating system nope. for nope. screens of all sizes." Nope. Yeah, yeah. That, that is the one part of this that kind of not at all. No, please, please don't do that. So we so we talked about this quite a bit in um, the the private beta period, but you know, I it just Windows eight point one is a mess. 
Yeah, and it just it continues to just gen, like genuinely confuse me. Like, I'm really not saying this in a facetious way no, at all. No, I, I understand. Like it 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 just confuses me that Microsoft continues to believe in this strategy, which is very similar to what they've been doing the last couple of years, which is having a sort of consistent or similarly looking experience across all different devices. So, well, so, in the so. I mean, it's it's a it's it's a story that kind of manifests itself in a lot of different places. So, I mean, you remember that like Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer's strategy was to have Windows everywhere, and everything would be called Windows, right? And they've kind of stepped away from that in a little bit. But the Metro interface and that kind of thin line design, they're trying to integrate everywhere. But you'll see that Windows Eight has been extremely unsuccessful, chiefly because it tries, it's trying to let go of the past and also maintain all this compatibility. And it half-heartedly adopts new ideas and doesn't really stick to anything that it wants to do. Like the like getting rid of the start menu and the whole Metro interface and all this crap, Windows RT and full-fledged Intel processors and all this stuff where everything about it's confusing and none of it's really any good because of those inconsistencies. And that sentence from that memo makes it sound like that inconsistent approach is now going to be like what's it, tripled down upon. <laughs> like if, if that's the way you'd scale double down right I, yeah it just the, the reason the reason it's so confusing for two i mean two just really obvious things like i don't i'm not saying anything you know new here one is that there's now a number of years where this has been a documented strategy that does that does not work it just has not taken off in any way shape or form well and, and to not to interrupt but <laughs> The reason Apple was able to sell people on the idea of the iPad was that it didn't run OS ten. Well, and that's actually that that's that's the second point is we have a documented history on one side that this one operating system across all platforms doesn't work. And conversely, we have very clear evidence that having unique operating systems that, you know, may share features with one another, but in general are unique to the specific device you're on is absolutely the best experience. And that's that's what Apple's done and has been extraordinarily successful with. So it's it's odd that Microsoft sits there and it just it almost just continues to deny reality. I just can't think of any other way to put it. I'm not suggesting they should just go out and, you know, copy what exactly what OS ten and iOS have done, but I mean the idea that you'll have an operating system which is focused on, you know, traditional computers, and then, excuse me, another operating system that's focused on mobile devices, it just is clearly what consumers want. Yeah, I think the trouble is that you kind of have to, or at Microsoft themselves needs to kind of decide on what type of company they want to be and what they actually want to make. Because is it really in their their interest to make mobile like uh, phone devices, tablet devices, and traditional legacy computing devices? Like, is is that what they need to do? Are they really going to move enough units to make crippling Windows to be somewhat better on a tablet worth their time? Like, I don't know. Like, they've had the most success they can as an enterprise computing and like software company. Like Office and Exchange are where they make all their money. They lose hundreds of millions of dollars a year on online services. Cloud has been recovering, but all their money comes from 
Office, Exchange, and to a lesser degree, Windows. So I just don't see, I, I don't know, I don't see the strategy with Surface and all this other stuff, which if they are going in that direction, is just going to ruin the Windows experience even more. Well, I, I would I would totally understand something like Surface if it came out and was completely free of the Windows name and of the Windows kind of backbone or kernel, I guess, is, as you would say. Um, if it was its own independent thing, because I, I think the Surface does actually have a lot of really cool ideas. I mean, I think the the um, type cover is really neat. That's an I accessory. It is, but I think it's it's that, very nicely done. That's not something to bet a, a company as large as Microsoft on. Of course not, but I, th- I think I'm, what I'm just trying to get at is the Surface in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing for Microsoft to try to do. It's just the way that they've tried to execute on it that's completely sideways. Yeah, I don't know. Microsoft's it, a very confusing company. They are. It, it's, it's, you know, I, I think I've, I've said this to you before. Like, they are a company full of some of the smartest engineers and business folks in the U.S. and across the world. And it's, it's just amazing that they continue down this just path that's just clearly not the right way to go. It's, it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. But they're also, they're, they're a company that's in just in the weirdest position. Like, I'm not sure if any other company has been in the position that they are currently in, where they dominated so much of a single industry and had such high margins in their software. And then the internet and all these faster moving players have just kind of, like, just destroyed everything around them. Because you remember Microsoft in, in the uh, late 90s and early 2000s? Yeah, I, 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 my, the thing that I always think about is there's no way that if you were sitting there in late 2006, you would have ever imagined a world where basically five years later, a majority of people were using their phones and to a lesser extent their tablets more than their traditional desktop or laptop. That was just a... I think Apple did. Well, they did. But I, th- I, think it, I think it would be unfair to criticize Microsoft for not seeing that change come as rapidly as it did. I'm not sure you can afford to give them that much credit. Because, they, cause, well, the thing is, because they had been trying since 2002 to get that to happen. Because they were the people making Windows Mobile and Windows CE and tablet PCs and all these things that just weren't very good, but had the same kind of underpinnings as the iPhone and the iPad. So no, I think they wanted it to happen, and I think they wanted them to be the company that delivered it, but they couldn't execute on it because they had so much of Windows baggage on it that a company like Apple, who made a clean break from all that, actually could. So I think they did have an idea of it. They were just so disappointed that it happened in a different way. Yeah, that's actually, that's a really good way to put it. Um, But... (laughs) I mean, as we've kind of belabored now, what's incredible is that once once the kind of true answer was revealed, you know, once once the correct way to do a mobile operating system and a tablet, you know, came out through iOS, Android, the iPad, Microsoft just continues to deny that now, basically, you know, over seven years later. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that point to transition this a little bit. Okay. So um, I think, was it yesterday that Apple's earnings came out? Yes, sir. All right. So I don't think we uh, really want to cover most of it because I don't think we're, we're terribly good at that. Talk about the, uh, the EPS and, and gross margin and uh, uh, Q4 guidance. Yeah, I'm not sure we have a lot to add to that. No. However, this was the second quarter of um, declines in iPad sales. It was, yes. So... What do you think that means? Given, again, and we'll kind of recap briefly our uh, history of what we talked about and why tablets have kind of been um, underwhelming or kind of less, they don't deliver on their promise of productivity in addition to media consumption. Is that fair? It is. Um, I, I've actually, I, you know, I, um, Horace Dedu pointed that out um, in some of the things that he's been posting. Um, Mr. Osimko. Yes. Um, and I, I've been thinking about it. And it, yeah, I, 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 it's kind of a, a, not a really deep answer. But it, it, in my head, like a, a tablet just, just really isn't as useful and as kind of uh, versatile, I think, as, as you would say, as a smartphone. I think just I think something as simple as just not being able to put it in your pocket and easily take it everywhere with you just really limits the potential and the kind of the potential market of tablets as compared to smartphones. Well, I mean, for me, with tablets, it's that with a smartphone, because of the size constraints, you accept a lot of limitations and you expect it to work differently than a traditional computing device would. Whereas with a tablet, you get into a size and form factor where it tries to do the things that conventional computing should, but it fails because of a lot of ways that we still expect to use a computer and the way things still are. Like, very few things are designed to mobile first in the sense that it's accessible on a tablet. It's either super stripped down for a smartphone or still, like, traditional legacy computing-based. And that's why tablets end up just being this thing that you watch Netflix on and, like, you passively browse Twitter and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm about to um, define the um, very, you know, core definition of a first world problem. But um, it, when I'm, you know, when I'm just on the couch here and <laughs> I want to... Listening to your PlayStation 4 through, through Bluetooth over. <laughs> that, that's, that's correct, yes. If I want to do something very simple, like if I want to um, browse something on Amazon or if I want to um, check a bank balance or... Just do any sort of, you know, very just kind of simple task. Reply to an email. It's, all of those things simply are not as easy and convenient on a tablet as they are on just a traditional laptop. And it, it, it's, it's quicker and it's easier to do most of those even very simple tasks on a laptop. So I've... Well, and, and know, similarly, it's not that much faster than a smartphone. So is, why wouldn't you just use your phone? Right. And so I've, even though I have an iPad, have repeatedly thought about getting a uh, MacBook as sort of like a, you know, computer that's mostly around the house where if it's just a quick little thing I want to do and I, I don't want to come over to the Mac mini, I can just, you know, quickly do something on the laptop. Now that's, that's a kind of a stupid reason to get a computer and it's why I haven't actually done it, but it, it's just, I bring it up to kind of illustrate the point that tablets just continue to suffer from this problem where 
other than watching video when you're traveling, like specifically on a plane, that's really like the one and only thing on a on an iPad that is genuinely significantly better than um, on a on a laptop. Uh, I would say also crossword puzzles. <laughs> no, the lady and I were talking about it yesterday, and she's like, she really wants a Kindle Paperwhite, and she says that it is only um, the New York Times crossword puzzle that the only reason she still keeps her iPad. Because huh. that is the only thing it actually does that she couldn't do elsewhere better. Yeah, it's it's really disappointing. So, in my question, my follow up question would be, whose fault is it? Like, would would you say that it's it's Apple's? Is it app developers who haven't kind of fully realized the potential of tablet computing? Or like, what's what's the deal? Like, why isn't it as good? Like, how long will it take yeah. to mature? Like, because you think, like, this seems like the device we've been waiting for for decades, right? I think, I don't know, like, for me, I, I think the reason why I'm so much quicker on a, on a laptop or a desktop is simply the input devices. With a, you know, physical keyboard and mouse, it's just, you're just, just quicker than you are with tapping and swiping and then using a, an on-screen keyboard. Because I... You know, I, I've had an iPhone. I, I bought your first iPhone, what, in like 2008? Probably. So I've, I've had an iPhone as my, you know, only phone for like six years now. And I still don't feel like I'm very good at the keyboard. I think autocorrect is fantastic and saves me, you know, 98% of the time. But overall, I still feel like I'm really crappy at that keyboard. And I'm hmm. I'm even I'm even worse on the iPad. The iPad I'm horrific because I, I don't use I don't use the iPad to type all that much. So that's that's pretty easy to explain. But my phone, which I use to type on all the time, I still don't feel very good at. Um, and so I, I think I think just something as simple as the input devices are just a huge limiting factor. And I'm I'm not saying that a physical keyboard on a phone would make it any better because I, I don't think it would. But I just think w- when you're sitting in front of a traditional keyboard and mouse, you're just inevitably going to be so much quicker than you are using any other sort of input method. Yeah, but I think that's the dangerous logic that like leads to like products like the Q10 existing. Oh, well, and you know, like that's why I made a point of saying I don't think slapping on a, a hardware keyboard to like the existing iPhone is is the solution. I and this is a this is a total cop out answer, but. I think with mobile devices, the method of input that is going to eventually surpass what we're used to with a traditional keyboard and mouse is something that we probably haven't really even thought of yet. Well, what else would it be? Voice dictation exists. Swipe typing or trace typing exists. Uh, physical keyboards exist. I mean, I what, think the, what could it possibly be? I think the the sort of I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is like the kind of natural language interface you know, like I, you didn't see the movie her i don't think um but you know the, the premise behind this is there's this new mobile operating system and it's it's just it's totally intuitive it's it's like having a, a you know human assistant by your side at all times like you you ask to make reservations at a certain restaurant and she does it in a matter of you know 10 seconds so something like that well, would obviously that be does. <laughs> Well, sure, that's what, in theory, Siri is supposed to do. But, you know, in, in practice, of course, it, it's not quite that seamless or that quick. Um, so I think something like that is obviously, would obviously be an improvement over what we have today. But, I, yeah, I, I think 
I just think that the method of input that we have on the iPhone and iPad, while while good, uh, certainly better than you know, uh, what what was the what was when you had to like click numerical keypad three times for a letter? What was that called? Hell. I mean, I don't think it had a name. I I, I know you're thinking it, of T nine, but that T9, was no, 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 no. Yeah. But that was the thing. That was the thing that made you not have to do that. That oh. used to, uh, that used predictive uh, text input, where you only had to tap it once, and it determined the letter based on kind of the three or the, the words based off the three letters it could have been. You know what I keep wanting to say is sure type, but that's no, no, that, cer- <laughs> certainly not, certainly not it. Sure type was the. Um, the uh the torch the ver- well no no that was the um the vertical keyboard blackberries where it had two letters per key right oh yeah that's like the the pearl had that yeah yeah that's right uh jesus all right god <laughs> we're old uh does anybody even know what a blackberry curve is anymore like how old are we no yeah i i i i it'd be a really interesting poll if, if you asked I don't know, we'd set the maybe say 20 and under, 18 and under, something like that, and you ask them what a Blackberry is. I, I honestly wonder how many wouldn't even like recognize the brand name. I bet it'd be I a fair people, number. No, no, no. Pe- people know it like it's the punchline to jokes. I, 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 bet, I bet not. Like, and BBM was cool like four years ago, right? Mm, well, cool, I don't know. Useful, yes. <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. All right. That's enough of that. All right. So what what are we doing next? <clears throat> um, well, I can uh, hit well, you. Uh, yeah, let's do the camera thing. Oh, yes, finally. Okay. So well, give, actually, let me, let give, me Go okay. ahead. Um, give I would say give the people some some background. Um, yeah. So, uh pre so, I mean, I've always kind of done like, you know, an amateur photography thing, just like I've always liked in uh having like a nicer camera. And for the past three years or so, um, I've carried around a Canon uh, 60D. And uh, yeah, I was uh, looking for something newer, and I found the Sony Alpha 6000. And it's uh, much, much smaller, and it's pretty darn good. So what, what makes this camera for, you know, some, some, of our, some of our listeners maybe aren't quite as uh, uh, savvy with photography as you are, of course. Um, what what makes this Sony camera different than a, something like the 60D? Why can it be so much smaller? So the Canon 60D is like kind of a traditional uh, DSLR, which means it actually has like a mirror inside of it. So it, so it's a fairly large camera. Like that's why you generally don't see any really really small SLRs. It's just because by the nature of like its technology, it has to be like sufficiently big to support that mirror system. So uh, the Sony Alpha is a what's called a mirrorless camera. It still supports like interchangeable lenses and all that kind of stuff, but um, it does not have that mirror inside of it, so it could be much, much smaller and more compact. And Canon makes this type of thing, and um, Olympus and Nikon and all these other companies kind of do a similar thing, but Sony does it pretty darn well. And the 6000 is a fairly new model that came out this summer that um, it's kind of widely held to be kind of like the best overall value. Kind of, It's, it's probably like the best um, mirrorless or like DSLR-style camera that you can get for under a thousand, that's pretty damn good. So the the reason I am so interested in this, as you already know, I, I have a Canon T four I, which is you know similar to your sixty D, um, and I've been fairly happy with it, but also have found myself just not really 
using it as much as I would like to just because it is somewhat of a burden to carry around. But I, I took it on a recent trip to Hawaii and was an idiot and took it out when it was raining. And now it 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 seems to work, but it the little red um, uh, memory card reader light is constantly blinking whenever I have its primary lens attached. Other lenses don't do that. Um, when you say primary lens, what do you mean? Well, the the stock lens it came oh, with, okay. which I, I got the I think it's like what, the, what is that lens? It's like eighteen to one thirty five. Yeah, it's a good one. It is a good one. Um, and a, I think a very expensive one, unfortunately. You can just buy just that from my kit. All right, let's make a deal. Do you do you actually have that exact lens? Yes. Who actually? I, I actually would like to try your lens to see if it's just the lens that's broken. Uh, what's my insurance policy in case like your water damage <laughs> camera infects my lens? <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I actually, we'll, we'll talk about that offline. I think that's but... how technology works. <laughs> okay so anyway so no so um yeah so actually that's a that's a big reason so thank you for bringing that up so that's kind of what motivated this whole switch is like i thought about it um like back in may i went like uh for a hike with the lady and um i was like ah should i bring the camera and i'm like yeah no so and really when um i forget what we went and did but like something in june like i took it out i'm like this is the first time in a year i've taken out my camera and it's it's six months into the year and that seemed really disappointing because I used to really like taking photos and it was it was very nice. But I think the thing is like the iPhone 5S has a, a sufficiently good camera where the hassle of taking out something that large was just too much where I would just say, yeah, screw it, I'll just leave it at home and I'll just deal with kind of mediocre pictures because I don't want to have to carry a bag with me all the time and just kind of lug this whole thing around. So that that was a big motivating factor, something that I would actually use and take with me. Okay, so what's the what's the verdict? Uh, it's pretty great. Hmm. Yeah, I mean overall. Okay, so uh, let me bring up some stuff. So I put I made a couple notes. So I mean, over, so the sixty D when you have the lens attached, um, it weighs uh forty four point five ounces, which I, it sounds heavier than I actually I actually thought it was. So did you did you weigh this yourself or did you look this up? No, no, this, this is a, a tech spec from Amazon. No, so, yes. I was gonna, I was gonna be really impressed if you actually took the time to to weigh your cameras before the show. Yes, that, I, would, that would that would have been phenomenal. Yes, I use my meth uh, my meth lab uh, scale. <laughs> I think they they call that the uh, the Walter White method. Yes, and then so for forty four ounces for that, and then the um, the Alpha with um, uh, like a, a somewhat comparable lens is fifteen point five ounces. Hmm. So I mean, it's it's dramatically lighter, and it's it's so much thinner. And the nice thing that I got uh, that I'm happy with is that I got um, a 20 millimeter, um, what's called a pancake lens, and that makes it pretty much uh, like pocketable, which is kind of insane for uh, for the picture quality that you get. So that that's I'm I'm interested in in two things. One, of course, is the obvious, the the picture quality, mm-hmm. and second, the, the really the the main thing I like about a DSLR is the way that it feels like just it feels like you you have so much control and i I don't mean over like aperture and and exposure things like that but this physically you just feel like in your hand you can get any angle you can it just it feels really solid and that it's you can really take whatever kind of picture you want and like you don't really have that same kind of feeling with like a traditional uh point and shoot 
Um, so where, where does this land on that scale? So, I mean, that's tricky. So, um, I would say overall the build quality is very, very good. It feels substantial, but it doesn't feel heavy. Whereas, uh, the 60D did feel substantial, but also just very, very heavy. Like kind of to the point, like, you know, like on your, on your SLR, do you have like the strap on? I'm sorry. Do you have the strap <laughs> space on? Uh, <clears throat> uh, yes, I I had both the um, kind of like the neck strap, and I also had a um, kind of supplementary, just like little hand strap. Okay. Oh God, grow up. All right. <laughs> I had to do it at least once in the the introductory show. Yeah. I'm gonna make your dad listen to this. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah, like that thing was so heavy that you kind of like out, like if you're going to take it around anywhere, like you would not want to hold that in your hand for like more than like 10 minutes. It's, it's pretty damn heavy. It is. I agree. So no, the alpha, like it's, it feels solid, but it's not too heavy by any means. And I don't feel that there's any picture that you can't get. Um, and the controls, it offers very, very similar, like, or pretty much exactly the same controls as, um. A larger camera does my only complaint with that is that because it is physically smaller there is like everything's a bit more cramped mm. for the controls um but i don't i don't want to say like but most people don't actually use all the controls anyway so i don't know i don't know how big of an issue that would be for most people i do use most of the controls on it but after about um a week and a half of using it i've learned kind of the shortcuts and actually sony software while it's kind of um it's a very different design approach than Canon's. Um, they have a lot of kind of like shortcuts and customizable things that allows you to kind of um, get familiar with it and um, kind of make it operate the way you want to after a couple of days. So it's pretty good. I mean, overall, like it, it, it takes like kind of, you know, like the, the same like bullshit photos that like every fancy camera does. So the like, picture quality is great and it allows you to take like those fiddly photos. Um, but it's just so much lighter and it's a camera that you'd actually want to take with you. So when you're when you're physically taking a picture, it, it feels it feels good in your hand. Definitely. Hmm. Yeah. That would that's what I'm most curious about. It just I just the 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 feel of like a regular point and shoot camera just isn't it's just not nearly as satisfying as a SLR. Yeah, I mean it's heavy enough. The buttons feel good, and it's it gives you the same level of precision and control. And I mean, in a lot of ways, and like it's technically superior to the 60D in almost every way. Like, it has a right. fantastic 24-megapixel sensor, like 11 frames per second for images, 1080p video. It, it's very, 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 very good. So, I've been happy with it. Hmm. And, well, one of the main things for me that I've uh, really enjoyed is that um, it has a Wi-Fi and NFC, which works very, very, very well. Yeah, that, that, that photo you sent me of the bridge a couple weeks ago, was that, was that something that you sent from the camera to your phone? Exactly. Mm. And that's like an example of like that. That's like when you know, like like a, like a bullshit photo that people would take with like with that type of camera, right. and, and it comes out just fine. Like it, like there aren't really bad cameras anymore. Anything's going to be able to do that. So, but yeah, then, that's actually, that's actually another really good point with the the whole DSLR thing. Like that's such a huge advantage the iPhone has, where it's just it's trivial to upload a photo after you've taken you know taken a photo. Whereas with a DSLR, again, I'm I'm getting into the the first world problem area here, but just the having to take a memory card out, put it in your you know computer, um, all of that just is it's just such a hassle. 
And I think that's where like Sony kind of gets it. Then they've been much uh, more on this than Canon and the other people. Um, is that, yeah, they like, I mean, and it's so much easier with Android than it is with iPhone, but, um, it sports NFC where you just tap, like you just press a button on the phone that says send a smartphone, you tap your phone to it and you have, um, an uploadable copy in like two seconds on the iPhone. You have to do some like kind of like Wi-Fi, uh, little like ad hoc network pairing, which isn't too difficult, but, um, yeah, it's, it's not hard and it's, and it's good. Been very, so you very have, happy with it. Remind me, you have the... Uh, A6000? Yes, sir. Okay. And did you, did you, you so what, what lenses do you have? Um, so I have the 50mm uh, prime lens. I have the 20mm pancake lens. The 55 to uh, 200 uh, telephoto. And then the 18 to 55, uh, what do you call it? Kit lens, which is not good at all. The, you're doing the 16 to 50? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like that one, if you were to ever buy this, I would say f- feel free to buy just the body only. Like that lens is a waste of money. Hmm. It's genuinely bad. Interesting. So, so if you buy just the body, what do you, what do you go with? You get the, the pancake lens, just the three other lenses you said? I would say so. I mean, that kind of makes up uh, kind of the, uh, the mix of lenses that I had before, and it's probably similar to what you have. What's the, what, what you said a 50 millimeter prime lens. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's the deal with that? It's no, no range. It's, it's just 50 millimeter. Yeah. Don't you already have this lens too? No, I, the only, the only sort of, I, I don't know. Is there a term for lenses that don't zoom? That's a prime lens. A prime prime. Okay. I have, I just have the, the pancake lens for my T4i. Well, but that's the 50 millimeter one, right? So it's this one. Hold on, let me send you a link. No, I think it's. I think this is the one I forced you to buy. Let's look. Oh yeah, maybe it is. I guess I think I think about that lens more in terms of the aperture than I ever do the zoom. So yeah, I mean, okay. so that that lens is is absolutely fantastic for both Canon and Sony. The Sony one feels much more substantial and it takes better photos. Um, like hence the kind of increased cost with it, but um. Yeah, it, it's a fantastic lens with great low light performance. Yeah, so the 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 Canon one is, I think actually, so Amazon has it for like one twenty five now, but I want to say it was even cheaper when I bought it. Mm-hmm. I think it was less than a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And this the Sony one is like almost three hundred. Mm-hmm. And then this is the uh, the pancake lens, which is a very very good versatile lens. God damn, that that one's over three hundred. So, and, and the, okay, actually, let's talk about that. So that's the, um, kind of the issue with this type of camera is like the Sony rebel series and kind of those, um, DSLRs, they haven't changed the lens or anything like in the past, like, I don't know, like 12 years. So it's a very, very well kind of like established, like marketplace for lenses. Like people know what's good and there's a lot of third party companies making them too, which kind of keeps, keeps the prices in check. So I don't know. The lenses are definitely more expensive for um, the E mount that Sony does, but it's it. I don't know. I'm I'm willing to suck that up for um, the reduced size and weight and all that kind of stuff. For sure, I, that's it. It's the convenience factor is such a key, and I, I also think the ability to instantly sync photos to your phone and kind of do whatever with them is also huge. Yeah. It's like 
I, I just I, I've I've definitely become so much less interested in kind of like uploading photos after the fact compared to being able just to upload them instantly, you know? And, and that's the thing. Like for me, like also like another factor of why I wouldn't take it in most places is kind of you get that like kind of you just like you just came back from a, like a day of like doing stuff and then you have to like empty your memory card into Lightroom and then like sort through a bunch of photos that you don't you you already live the experience. You kind of don't give a shit anymore. So it's just like it's so much work that like photography shouldn't be that much work. And this simplifies a lot of that, which kind of still keeps it fun. So how's the how's the viewfinder? So obviously, you know, the 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 key with having a mirror in a in a, a DSLR or, you know, before that an SLR is that you're actually seeing kind of what the the lens is seeing, basically. Um, so yeah. So so, how, so this obviously, you know, doesn't have that and just has like a some kind of like what LED screen or something? Oh, oh, LED screen. So yeah, so you've got the kind of the articulating like uh, LCD panel on the front, so you can use that as a like a live viewfinder if you'd like to. Um, it also has an OLED um, electronic viewfinder, so you can use kind of like your traditional like eye up to the thing, um, and it works very very well. Like it's still not exactly the same, just because like the SLR lets you literally see exactly what the camera sees, but um, it's good enough. Again, like it's one of the compromises, and it's a compromise I'm willing to make. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Yeah, pretty much it. Um, the only kind of com- so other other like notes and observations about it. Uh, I'm uh, very very thankful. Sony kind of has eased, and this goes to kind of your whole like headphone jack thing and no adapters. I think Sony has kind of had like um like a reality check a little bit with their position in the market and what they can get away with now. And they've become much more open in that sense. So there's no like memory stick bullshit or any like proprietary, um, like connectors. It's just standard secure digital standard micro USB and HDMI. And it's, it's very simple and straightforward. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, so I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely tempted, but I, I think the thing that, is toughest for me is is the lenses that's that's tough that's a big uh that's a big hurdle to overcome initially it is but what i'll say is so uh when i got mine um sony uh does or they at least when i bought mine they were uh, offering kind of instant rebates on their lenses if you buy it with the camera so on the prime lens i got a hundred dollars off and on the telephoto lens i got 150 dollars off instantly if you buy it with the camera. So that helps a lot. And also, a Canon lens resale is actually pretty decent. So I haven't tried to sell my equipment yet, but I think I'll get a decent amount. I might uh, might be interested in that lens of yours. <laughs> but we'll, uh, if you can we'll find an we'll insurance policy that kind of guarantees <laughs> it will continue to work and doesn't get like infected. Uh Oh god! And the files from this fucking thing. Or, or sorry, I'm 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 uh, salty <sighs> language tonight. Sorry. You are. Jeez. Um, the files are enormous. Twenty five megabytes a piece. I think my I think my T4i the images are twenty plus megs a piece. Mm-hmm. And it's nuts because like so like traditional like my old memory card that I had used apparently wasn't fast enough for it. Mm. Where like if you took like a series of photos in a row, like it would it would have to take time to like offload to like it's to empty its buffer. Sure. So um, I had to get a newer one of those, which was uh, disappointing. Right. 
Yeah. Does the um does the the, the the screen in the back does that flip out at all? It does. Okay. Yep. That's nice. Hmm. Yeah. So I recommend it. Yeah. It's not for everybody, but for me to actually want to use it, it is. It's small enough where yeah. it fits into my bag every day. So like I just leave it charged up and it just goes in my bag. Right. Whereas my SLR, there's not a chance that would have ever happened. Yeah, so how do you how do you carry this thing around? I just carry it. You just throw it in a throw it in a bag. And that's the thing, it like it doesn't it doesn't feel cheap or fragile. So I'm not really worried about it. So you don't you don't put it like in a little case and then throw it in a bag? You just straight throw it in a bag? No. I mean it's it's not like like rubbing up against like other things. It's got kind of its own pocket in my messenger bag, but mm-hmm. um nah, don't worry about it. Yeah. Throw caution to the wind. You do like to do that. Yeah. Do you have a gorilla pod for your camera? No, I don't. Hmm. And there really there aren't a whole lot of different situations where that would be useful to me. Hmm. Um Yeah, I I I don't know. I that's yeah, just not a whole lot of situations where that I would that's something I would use. Hmm. But they, they are they are pretty neat. They are. God, this oh this eighteen to one thirty five lens is like five hundred dollars. Okay. Ugh. Good. <laughs> actually, no. I, I actually the do. I do. The better. I do hope it's actually only just the the lens that's broken on mine. No, because actually, it's, it's the whole thing, and, and all have, your old lenses are broken too. Please get mine. I have been I have been really really happy with the T four I. It's it's a great camera. Um, love the interface. Picture quality's great. Um, everything about it's awesome. Um, I just was a was a fool and didn't didn't treat it right. Kind of treat it right. That's right. Okay. Interesting. I think, yeah, I, I the, the the whole mirrorless thing is something I would totally consider. Um, just the kind of the the initial cost of entry. So, if 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 you don't mind me asking, if you can decline, if you'd prefer, but what 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 was your total total damage after all was said and done? Um, including or excluding the memory card. I'm not yeah, sure we'll ex- we'll exclude that. Um, thirteen. That's that's not too bad for for four lenses. Yeah, that's not too bad. I think I think that's uh, totally fine. And again, like I've got enough Canon crap that I could. This is probably gonna be. I think it's probably lofty to say a break even purchase, but it won't be terribly expensive. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So uh, there's got to be a couple other things. Well, I've got. A, I mean, I've got a couple of other. Uh, more newsy kind of stories. Sure. Um, the only other use... thing I want to get around to is Overcast, but you, you, uh, you oh yeah, okay, yeah. But you keep so going. you, so you, so you nixed kind of the Apple IBM thing. I, I agree, not well, you... not not super interesting. Well, actually, let's let's talk a tiny bit about that. So okay. so why do you think that's important, if at all? I I I don't know. Like I'm to be perfectly honest, I'm so far removed from sort of like the enterprise space like in terms of like 
how that whole thing works. So I, I don't, I don't really know, to be honest. <laughs> okay. So I, I don't, I don't really know how big of a deal this is, is what I'm trying to say. So I'm not sure it's going to be a big deal immediately, but I think it does matter just because you have to think. So, um, so why is BlackBerry still in business? Uh, well, because of the enterprise. So uh, uh, that's kind of what I'm getting at. But actually, I think that's kind of a, it was a false question just because it's not really in business. But it it's it survived being in business far more um, because of the enterprise market. Like uh, consumer technology moves much, much more quickly than enterprise IT purchases do. And if uh, consulting and cloud computing and uh, whatever IBM still does now, like if a company like that can provide kind of their custom software solutions and that kind of stuff on a platform that end users actually want, I think that's going to take a lot of companies who now just kind of very shallowly employ iOS devices to kind of adopt it much more um, wholeheartedly. And that will probably move a lot of units. Because, I mean, I, I know that you probably have seen that, like, bring your own device and all that kind of stuff has gotten much more popular with companies allowing employees to use their own phones mm-hmm. rather than using company-issued devices. Like, or, I mean, uh, Or perhaps having that be the only option. Yeah, like, I mean, I think your employer prior to this one, you used your own equipment, right, and just kind of latched into, like, the company uh, infrastructure, right? Same, same with current employer as well. Yeah, so I mean that's kind of a bring your own device situation where when the employees decide, they're almost like overwhelmingly they're going to choose an iPhone or an Android phone, and if let's say the company is the one deciding and they want a much more consistent experience, that's almost always going to be an iPhone because there's too much variability in the Android system, and most employees are going to be kind of cool with an iPhone. Like even if they want like a Samsung S5 or something, they're going to be like, yeah, 5s, that's pretty cool too. So I think it has the potential to move a lot of phones. It's not kind of a business opportunity that's going to be realized immediately, but I think I think it's it's somewhat of a of a big deal. But I don't think people have attention spans long enough to kind of see this out for the one to three years it's going to take before it becomes something big. Yeah, and you just have to understand that kind of the U.S. kind of consumer smartphone space is somewhat saturated. So they got to get the growth from somewhere. That's that's a good point. Yeah. Because who doesn't have a smartphone now? Right. Yeah. Well, when, when the when the iWatch comes out, it'll be you know big new market. But not not in the same way. <laughs> I, I know you're saying that somewhat jokingly, but it's yes. Even if it's extremely successful, like again, Apple has sold 550 million iPhones since it came out at an average selling price of 600 and some odd dollars, if they sell an iWatch or whatever thing for 300 or whatever, that's still a far smaller market. And that's assuming that everybody who buys an iPhone is going to buy an iWatch and that's not going to happen. Right. So, and with, with, and with, uh, iPad sales plummeting and, and, you know, the sky falling and such, you know, yeah, the Apple's going out of business, aren't they? They are. People want their QWERTY keyboards, mm-hmm. just like Ashley. Ashley, you said it earlier. I did. That's uh, Microsoft's uh, ace in the sleeve or in the hole or whatever. <laughs> the ace in the sleeve, yeah. <laughs> Which one is it? <laughs> it's uh, ace in the hole. 
Ah, close enough. Well, it, it, no, Ace in the Sleeve is a thing. Poker. Although, thank you, um, thank you for the show title. I appreciate that. What? Some, sometimes it's difficult to come up with show titles, but that was a uh, that was a freebie, as uh, as Arrested Development would say. I swear to God, Ace in the Sleeve is a thing. I do not think so. Well, actually, no, it is a thing now. It's it's the title of our first show. Oh, uh, whatever. Okay, so let's let's wrap this up on um, on Overcast. Eh, well, this is gonna be a really short one, but okay. Oh, so what what are your opinions of it? So Overcast is a new, uh, uh, yet another new podcasting client. <laughs> yeah, stop stop me if you've heard this before. Well, um, well so actually, the, no, hold on. Is, do do yeah. do regular people care? Like, do you think regular people use anything but the Apple Podcast application? So <clears throat> my so my sense um, my sense is that people don't listen to podcasts. Uh, I, then we need to I, rethink our business model. What, what, what are we doing? <laughs> well, I mean, people. I mean, people do listen to podcasts, but I just people my, listen to ours. Yeah, my, yeah, of course. My my friends and family, in particular, I can't really think of a single person who regularly listens to podcasts. So I I don't. What I'm trying to say is I don't have a lot of insight into your previous question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, is it past your bedtime, or are you going to be okay for the it's, next couple of minutes? Uh, or? It's ten fifty. It basically is. All right. Um, so yeah, okay. So not uh, yeah. That's so, the thing. So this I is this I is uh, Mark Marco Arment's new uh, if, uh, of Instapaper fame. This is his new podcast client, which he's been working on for quite some time. Yeah, since like last September. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's yet another podcast app. Like, I mean, it's it's fine. So we both do we both use Instacast? I think yes, I'm the sir. one that forced you into it, right? You originally suggested it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what were you using before that? <sighs> I was using. Um, oh gosh, what was I using? I, I never used the. Um, um, like the Apple rebranded one. The Apple rebranded one. Um, there was another third-party one I was using before Instacast, and I—it's been—I've be, been using Instacast for quite a while now, so I don't—I don't remember what I used before. Hmm. But I mean, Inst- Instacast, like I guess for me, like with Overcast, it's—it's it's not so much that Overcast is a bad app. It's—it's it's not by any means. It has a lot of really cool things. I think some of the like dynamic. Um, well, what's it called? There's a name for it, like the dynamic smart speed. Smart speed, yeah, where it kind of dynamically speeds up and slows down the podcast. I think that's really neat. Um, but I just Instacast to me is just absolutely perfect. Like everything about it, just the way that I listen to podcasts, the way it's designed, just it makes so much sense to me. Um, everything from like the up next feature to the skipping forward and, and going back. All right. Sorry. I'm, I'm just, just stop you there. Yeah. So I'm going to get something out of this conversation. So what, how does up next work? <sighs> okay. I tried so, it again and yeah. I still get, now I cute. I like, here's the thing. I deleted everything out of up next. I added three podcasts. Cause like, you know, planet money is short and sometimes I don't fall asleep immediately. So I queued them all up. It only played one. I've given it like multiple tries. I don't understand how to make it work. So, okay, so up next is the feature in Instacast, which basically is um, like a, a way of creating a kind of instant playlist. And it, the way it works, it, it, it's a little finicky. So it, it, by default, if you're listening to one podcast and you switch to another, 
the podcast that you were switching from, i.e. previously listening to, automatically gets uh, included into the up next queue so that when you're done, when you complete the, the podcast you switched to, it will automatically go back to the previous podcast you were listening to. Um, alternatively, you can manually add things to the list. So in the latest version of Instacast, this is, I think, a f- relatively new feature. When you when you tap and hold on any episode of a podcast, one of the a little menu comes up, and one of the options is to manually add it to the up next list. So if you're currently listening to a show and you want to listen to a specific podcast next, you can select to do so. So I have done that. Yes. Why does that not work? It should. Now there was a there was a period where up and it actually it was a two or three solid months. It over I think it was over the holidays where up next was just straight up broken. Just literally did not work. There was some update that came out and it just it just was busted. And it it's been fixed for a while now. So I don't know why you're still having trouble. I'm I'm assuming of course you're on the latest version. Yes. Um so yeah, I don't I don't really know why it's not working for you now. Do but you, I I do love you have it. to have continuous playback enabled? Uh, that's a good question. May, I'm I don't thinking maybe that's why it's not working now. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I my continuous playback for me is enabled. So So but otherwise so like I I don't want it like if I listen to a show it just automatically starts playing the next episode all the time. So are those just incompatible needs? Yeah, I I guess so. I I, w- I would recommend trying turning on continuous play and seeing if that you know fixes the issue because it might. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. All right. So back to Overcast. So I guess yeah. So I I guess the reason I haven't switched from Instacast is just because I think I think I sent this to you in a text or something like it, it's not one of those situations where I've been using something but kind of just waiting for something better to come along. Like I've just been sort of like getting by. It's like, it's, it's good enough. You've been fairly happy with Instacast. It, exactly. Like it, it's not that at all. It's like, I've, I'm just genuinely really, really happy with Instacast. And there, there really isn't a single thing that I dislike about Instacast. And it just, it just works so well for me. So I, it just, it would take a lot to switch. It would basically take almost like, a mirror of Instacast, but with some of the like audio features that Overcast has in order for me to switch over. Yeah. And the big gigantic glaring omission, at least for me, is that it does not support streaming, which right. makes it a complete non-starter for me. Totally. Yeah. I, I, for the, for the most part, especially because, you know, Instacast supports, you know, background downloading. So most of the time, the episode of a show I want to listen to has already been fully downloaded in the background because I'm, you know, I'm on Wi-Fi between my apartment and work. I'm on Wi-Fi pretty much the whole day. Um, but there are certainly occasions, particularly like when I'm traveling, where I, I, I haven't maybe been on Wi-Fi for a while and there's a new ep- new episode of a show and I just want to be able to listen to it right away. And so, yeah, I, I'm with you. Not being able to just dynamically stream it is a, a huge omission. But to be fair, Marco has come out and said that that's going to be one of the, you know, first features he adds to it. So it'll presumably be there shortly. Yeah, but mm. is, you know, is, is there no way to create like a like on the go playlist in what 
in in Overcast. Like if if you if you're listening to a show and there's another show you want to queue up next, mm-hmm. is there is there a way to do that? I don't know. I haven't really played with it much because it doesn't support streaming, which means it doesn't work for me. I wasn't able to figure out how to do that. Maybe there is, and I just missed it. But I wasn't um, wasn't able to figure that out. Yeah, I'm not really sure how you even do play. Oh, there. Oh, there you go. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not really sure. The one thing it does do, I would, I was incredibly impressed with was how easy it was to import your subscriptions from Instacast and a variety of other podcast clients to Overcast. That was really impressive. And have you reviewed the kind of the setting screen of Overcast? I have. So what I do enjoy is that it says, uh, is Overcast not for you? Support independent developers such as, and then it shows kind of the five most popular non-Apple podcasting apps. I really, really like that too. Now, you because be, it's not for me, and you know what? Inst- there we go. Instacast is right there. You could be cynical and you know understand that Marco has, I think, made a fair bit of money, and primarily, through, I think, through the whole like Tumblr thing. But so, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think he relies on the income from Overcast to make a living. So it's a little bit easier for him to to do something like that. But it's it's still a very nice gesture. Well, it's something that it makes. It just seems like it. It, it looks like a developer is putting the user's needs first. So yes. you know, if 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 what he's pumping out doesn't fit what you need, then here are other viable options. Yeah, I noticed that too, and I think it was a, a nice touch. Yeah, I hope to reevaluate it when it's more feature complete. Same. Yeah, but, I, I I didn't do the in-app purchase yet. I think I'll wait to do that until the streaming stuff comes in, and I think as soon as that's added, I'll probably do the four ninety nine and start checking it out. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm really curious how that the, the, the dynamic speed thing works. See, I don't think I'd ever enable that because I've never toggled the speed of any of my podcasts. Well, I haven't either. But the reason I haven't done that is because it's, it's just very unnatural and doesn't work well for a lot of shows. But it, it sounds like but it, Marco's thing but it seems like it works would ruin, pretty well. Like it would ruin kind of the conversational rhythm that like two people have. Like when people are talking, like pauses do matter. Like it adds context and it, it, I don't know if there were no pauses and it was just people just talking one after another, like you would never be able to like kind of, I don't know. Like, did you listen to the talk show that he was on? I I paused there for a minute. Did that, did that work? I'm, um, (laughs) I'm about just 20, 30 minutes into it. I haven't, haven't listened to the whole thing yet. Okay. But I mean, like, particularly John Gruber, like he, like he is somebody who does like a lot of like voice inflection and like pausing and stuff where I think if that was all eliminated through something like speeds up audio and kind of analyzes and removes, removes like pauses, I'm not sure. I think that would detract a little bit from it. I, I might be getting the numbers a little bit wrong, but um, they used that. So it's actually, it's a, it's a two-part episode of the talk show. I think it's like almost three hours in total. And I want to say that the, what, what, what was the name of the feature again? Smart Speed. Smart Speed. Thank you. Smart Speed reduced that by like over half or something like that, which, is, which seems crazy. But that makes it sound like there's just no, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Well, sure I like that. I might have I'm, to try it one day. You should. I'm I'm really curious how you can cut half the time out of a podcast and still maintain sort of any like semblance of the original, you know, like you said, rhythm. Yeah. Well, you know, people could, you know, people can try that out on this show too. 
They certainly may. All right, an hour and 15 minutes. I think that's pretty good. That's pretty pretty solid. Decent, um, you know, decent first show back, I think. Yeah. All right, so where can people find show notes and learn more about the show? So we, we have a website now. Uh, it is uh, just technicallycorrect.tv. I will advise folks that it is a uh, work in progress, to say the least. It so is not we, feature complete. <laughs> it is not feature complete. Um. But I think the the, the kind of the, the website is not going to be super relevant, and we we will build some show notes in there and such. But we're not we're not quite there yet. I think what's going to be most relevant for people now is just going directly to iTunes. We'll be available to both download individual episodes and, of course, you know, subscribe right there in uh, in iTunes or in Instacast or you know whatever whatever podcast aggregator you prefer. I think it's um, called I think it's called a netcast. Um, Container. Rep- re- repository something like that mm-hmm. all right so that's uh, that that's where uh that's where people will uh will find the show and we should we should actually we should close the show by by saying a, a thank you to uh friend of the show aj she she created the the new album art for the show which is uh very nice very nice she spent spent a pretty good amount of time on that we we certainly uh appreciate that considering we are a uh Currently, uh, we'll say not profitable. Um, we're, do- we're doing this as a public service. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Just as, just as she did pro bono work for us. Uh, we are, we're doing this for the kids. <laughs> we are. Yes, that's, that's true. Yes. One listener at a time. <laughs> so, th- so thanks to AJ for the, uh, the album art. We'll, uh, we'll continue to work on the, uh, the website. I think show notes would be a really great feature. Um, I should figure out a way on, I think there's a way on Squarespace where I can like add you as like a user to the website. Should look into that. Sure. Just so that, you know, you do like some of the work on the show. Sure. And do we have an offer code for this week for them? <laughs> for Squarespace? Yeah. I think we're, I think we're actually literally the only podcast on the internet that's not sponsored by Squarespace. And that, that's only a minor exaggeration. Well, that's going to change this week. Uh, did is there some news that I don't know about? No, you're just gonna you're just gonna send a send a copy of this on a CD uh, mm-hmm. to, to their CFO or whatever, and just get, just get it going. Okay, all right, that's probably the way it works. Yep, you wanna wrap this up? I do. Let's do it. All right. <laughs>